my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. Love is in the air, and this is a podcast about fanfiction. Each episode, the three of us typically each bring one fic to discuss, and first up this episode is Brenna. Brenna, what's your fic? My fic for this episode is Victory Lane by Astolat. This is different than Victory Condition by Astolat, which we did talk about prior on this podcast. Victory Lane is a fic for the fandom Fast and Furious um, and the relationship between Brian O'Connor and Dominic Toretto and also Cars. Reed, what fic about Cars did you bring for this week? <laughs> um... <laughs> For this romance episode that is actually about cars, I brought <laughs> All to Play For by Linearity, which is for the fandom Formula One. The pairing is Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen. We are verklerking again. Nick, Ooh. what romance fic about cars did you bring? Mine is slightly less about cars, but has more cars than you might guess. I brought Millstone Director's Cut by AO3 user Jolock, and this is a fic for the pairing Michael slash Gavin for the fandom Achievement Hunter RPF. So they say that man's best friend is a dog, but what if it was a car? <laughs> no, let's hear her out. <laughs> say more. <laughs> Let her cook. Bold to go for um, transition vibes at the start of our intro. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> um, yeah. So for this episode of Fit Click that's all about romance, um, what if you considered the bond between a human and a car? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not well. For this episode, each of us wanted to bring a fic that represents what we consider to be one of our favorite romance tropes. We've done a lot of different variations on this kind of a theme in the past. We've brought kind of tropes that we love. We've done favorite tropes for birthdays. We've tried to bring... <laughs> meet with medium success fix that we enjoy for tropes that we did not like or typically avoid and this time around we went specifically for favorite trope in a love story that makes you believe that love actually might be real in a corner of your cold dead heart if that was what we were going for i missed that memo um that is not that was not my guiding north star while looking for oh fic. no what was your guiding north star just like romance tropes that i enjoy um oh true mine is breakup makeup which i don't oh, think like makes fair. me believe in love necessarily <laughs> it's just a trope i enjoy i guess i can get into a little bit why i picked breakup makeup one of the times as nick mentioned that we did some variation of this theme was last year for Valentine's Day, we all brought romance tropes. And I mentioned in that episode that I had gone looking for breakup makeup, but it was like really not as prolific a tag as I thought it was. And I was having trouble finding what I wanted. So I ended up just going for exes. Um, and I really enjoyed the fic that I brought, but it was like, People who had had a sort of summer romance when they were young and like about to go to college and like reuniting years and years and years into the future with sort of this like possibility of getting back together. And I definitely think it felt like romance tropey and again, loved what it was doing for exes. But as I was brainstorming what I wanted to do for this year, I had a just brilliant flash in my brain where I was like, oh my god, remember when I brought that Verklerk fic for Brenna for our host rec exchange like a couple episodes ago, and all of us saw that there's another fic in that series, and the next fic in the series is Breakup Makeup. Maybe this is my time to actually do that trope properly. 
So I'll get more into it in my section. Uh, it is first of its kind, bringing a sequel fic to the pod, but I kind of had said it as a joke at first. I was like, haha, what if I bring this fic that's a sequel to this other fic that we did? But it contains a lot of themes that all three of us like, and it's like very definitively breakup makeup. And I think it took an interesting take on like the previous fic had this like, we get together and everything's nice and happy. And then this fic was the like, okay, like what actually happens after that? Um, so it really like charted that route of breakup makeup over like nearly 50k in a way that I found really satisfying. So that was kind of why I picked it was just sort of I was like, haha, I tried to do this last year and didn't do it right. This year I did it right. But I can't say that it's like, something that I seek out all the time, or again, that it like makes me believe in love. In fact, like, <laughs> often I think if people break up, they probably <laughs> should stay broken up. <laughs> um, it's fun in fanfiction. Hey, I just, I almost finished watching a K-drama that is essentially breakup makeup, um, oh. where two people were like childhood best friends to lovers, um, and then they broke up for like eight years, and then they got back together. It really worked, gotta say. This is just like I believe in love. in June by Tia Williams. Yeah love that book but set in like jeju <laughs> yeah it's a different that way. <laughs> but the like eight years breakup again feels closer to like exes like what i brought last year like yeah. this is breakup makeup over one formula one season so it's mm -hmm. like only over the span of a couple months um I'm, uh, my point was just that sometimes you can get back together and it uh, works but if you're also in a k-drama yes 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 um, yeah in fiction or a romance novel <laughs> i am so much more willing to buy um breakup makeup as like a yes even if you broke up for xyz reasons like maybe this can still be a good relationship yeah in real Versus life my friend who's like should i get back with him and i'm like no, no. girl <laughs> which is so funny because we said almost this exact same thing last year i went back to listen to part of last year's episode to see what i said about breakup makeup um and it wasn't a whole lot but one of the two of you it might have been nick was like if my friend is like i'm gonna get back with my garbage ex-boyfriend i'd be like no yeah. Um, so I'm glad it I guess might have been me because I still feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it the same friend? I don't know. <laughs> Seek assistance. <laughs> At that friend, do not do it. <laughs> yeah. I did know a couple in college who it was kind of like every couple weeks, it was like, are they together or not together? And their breakups were like big. And like, I don't want to say messy, but they both had like big feelings, really sad, really whatever. And then a couple of weeks later, they were back together and it was great. And it was like so often that all of us were like, are you not tired? Yeah. Like, <laughs> are we not seeing that yeah. maybe this is not a fun cycle to be in? Um, They didn't, they didn't last post-college. I'm unsurprised, but. Damn. Maybe in eight years. So that was my romance trope. Not necessarily, frankly, like absolute top of my romance tropes that I think of when I'm like, these are things I love. Like I had other things I was looking for. This just felt like thematically right for Fic Click and I was glad that the fic worked. Mm -hmm. I went in with one trope in mind and I came out with that trope in hand. Um, <laughs> I was a man on a mission and I think I completed my mission successfully. If you've been around for a while, you know that a favorite trope of mine in fanfiction is soul bond slash soulmate um, fiction. This is not something that I like see a lot of in published fiction. It's also certainly not something I really ever see in like movies or TV shows or any media like that. It feels very fanfiction specific to me. I will say a book series that me and a friend are reading right now does have a sort of soulmate aspect and it's like not even romantic, but it's like 
I've launched myself in, into orbit about it, like, multiple times. I, like, get launched into orbit, and then I come back down to Earth, and then I get launched into orbit again. Um, yeah, Brenna's original pitch for this episode was, hey, what if you all read six <laughs> books that are so dense so we can talk about soulmate, soul it bond, whatever? It wasn't in earnest. It just, like, yeah, I just have, like, explicit. a lot. Brenna has explicitly said, Nick, I don't think you would like these. No. <laughs> Um, I think you would find things to appreciate about them, but they're just, like, not really up your alley. They make me feral and nuts. Uh, but yeah, those books really put me in the, like, state of mind recently where I was like, I want something really good that, like, delves into soul bond, soulmate kind of stuff. I feel like I've been on a bit of a journey with this trope because I really liked it for hockey, in particular because I really enjoyed seeing how it always, like, play out when they actually had to, like, do games and stuff with, like, whatever sort of psychic link was formed. Um, I didn't care as much about the sort of just, like, names on wrist kind of soulmate AU where it's just like, okay, and from birth you're bound to this person, then you find them, and then I guess you're in love forever. Like, I wanted to see how this how the soul bond, like, impacted their lives. Um, I was dissatisfied when it would just stop with them finding the person. <laughs> I wanted to like see the impact of the of the thing. Um and I think the book series I was reading really put me in a headspace where where I also was like interested in one that like came to people like later in life where it wasn't necessarily something that they were born with. Um so I went I went searching. I mostly used the soul bond tag more than the soulmate tag. They definitely have things that set them apart from one another, but I think it can be a little bit tricky in terms of like tagging to differentiate always in terms of just like searching through AO3 a lot of things are tagged with both um, because sometimes both are very applicable um, or sometimes something is tagged with one but maybe it feels a little bit more like the other um, this one is tagged with soul bonding and they do have a soul bond but it's also a soulmate's like name on body AU something that I really liked about this one though is that the soul bonds can form and like the names can form later in life, um, which is definitely something I want to talk about when we get to my fic. And I think something that for me resonated with what I was looking for from the trope this time around. Yeah, it was it was a little rough out there looking for one, not gonna lie. There's a lot of really good fic, but I think something that I'm realizing as you get further and further into fic click is like how many fandoms I'm just not bringing for this pod anymore. And like, it doesn't mean that those are bad fandoms. They're just like either things that I think we've talked about too often or just like aren't really the vibe or for whatever other reason, like we just, it doesn't feel like the move. <laughs> um, and like, also, we also are always like sort of searching to bring different things than we've talked about before. I think we all worry about like things feeling a little stale or repetitive at times. So when I went in, it was like so much for like the same four fandoms, which were basically Marvel, Harry Potter, Supernatural, and also anime. <laughs> anime things that I didn't know. Um, and I was like, ah, where do I go from here? Because none of this is really what I want to bring. The four fandoms, specific media and all of anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it is in my brain. Um, so eventually I decided I would just play my Astolat card because this fic really fit the bill for what I was vibing with in this moment. Yeah, I think something else I was thinking about with this episode is like, this is one of those themes that like seems like it should be really easy to complete. And in some ways it is like it's easy for all of us, I think, individually to find a fic with a trope that we like that we enjoy reading <laughs> but like the thing about tropes is 
it doesn't automatically mean that someone else will like enjoy the fic, especially if they don't enjoy that trope or like feel very neutral about it. Like sometimes you're really just coasting on the trope, which is totally fine, but like does make it harder to bring for fic click. And I think this year we were all very successful in bringing fics that everyone really enjoyed. I think we have a lot to talk about, but it was definitely something that was rolling through my head because I was like, okay, well, even if this part of like the soul bond or soulmate trope like really appeals to me and I'm like kicking my feet and like wriggling around and being like, <laughs> um, it doesn't mean that like Nick and Reed will like feel the same way and it could like fall very, very flat for them. Um, so I think that's something that was just like rolling around in my head a lot. And I was thinking a lot about like something that we've talked about before about the way that like fic tagging is so effective for fic but then when you start sort of marketing based on tropes it can often fall flat because again not everyone likes the same thing and i think this year in particular we all brought fics that like do have a very prominent trope aspect but also have a lot of plot surrounding that trope Mm -hmm. um and that's where i'm always like okay you've sold me this 400 page book with a trope is there plot (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I think here on this podcast, we, we want, we want the plot too. When we decided that this was the theme that we wanted to do for Valentine's Day, it took me like 30 seconds to not only pick a trope, but to pick this specific fic. I was like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing Millstone. See you guys later. Um, I've been looking for an excuse to bring this fic for a long time. Anybody who I feel like knows me or has witnessed me moving through fandom knows that Bodyguard AU is my number one. It's my one and only. True trope of my heart and soul it's the best one it's the most romantic one everyone agrees and so i was very excited to get to bring it this fic in particular has been in my mind for a long time as like the quintessential bodyguard au fic it has what i want it has the arc that i want it's got the plot it's got the stakes it's got the close quarters it's got the oh we shouldn't do this forbidden relationship it has everything we'll talk about that when we talk about the fic specifically but bodyguard au is just very important to me It's very important to me in fiction, I should clarify. In real life, for a few reasons, it's not my jam. Um, Bodyguards are like private security and like cop aligned most of the time, which we hate. Also, the man that helped me realize I was a lesbian while on a date with him was a bodyguard. I was (laughs) just thinking about that. The way that Nick texted Brenna and I and was like, I'm going on a date and you will never believe what this man does for a job. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, like works at a coffee shop that only sells caffeinated drinks because like Nick can't consume caffeine. I was like, what kind Mm -hmm. of irony? No, a bodyguard. It was so comical. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. And thanks to that man. Um, Hope he's doing well wherever he is. But in fiction, it just works. It's a trope that I feel like has a built-in plot element to it. People do this, but I think it's hard to write a successful bodyguard AU that doesn't have stakes, that doesn't have any amount of like action-adventure, that doesn't have that like energy and momentum to it, that doesn't have an exciting climax, that doesn't have these moments of like peril and drama. I, I think I've talked about this a long time ago um, on the podcast specifically, but I go really feral for love stories where a central component is trust. And I feel like that comes up so much in this particular AU. I will refer to this frequently as the devotionisms because I think they're important. Oh, I just love this trope. I'm losing my gourd and we haven't even started talking about this fic. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to wait a bit to get there. 
I know. There's just something beautiful and sexy about it. Amen. I was so excited to bring this pick in particular because I feel like it'll give me a lot of opportunities to talk about specific things about the trope and about its kind of built-in plot scaffolding that often comes with it. Um, just talk about all those things that I love and give specific examples. When Brian met Dom and his crew, he had a feeling that he belonged, and he had a feeling that he could be someone. Brenna? My fic for this episode is Victory Lane by Astolat. This is a fic for the movie series Fast and the Furious, specifically the first movie titled The Fast and the Furious, um, which we might also refer to as Fast One. This fic features a relationship between the two main characters of the franchise, Brian O'Connor and Dominic Toretto. Um, if you are like Nick and you're like, wait, which actor plays Dominic Toretto? It's Vin Diesel. It's not The Rock. Um, let's just get that settled chat. right now. <laughs> I didn't even ask. I just said, wait, he's The Rock, right? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. And then you said no. Vin Diesel is in these movies. And Brenna said, Vin Diesel is the main man in all of these movies. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be a thing without him. Anyway, <sighs> look, is Vin Diesel the greatest actor? No. But is he Dominic Toretto? Yes. And that's important. <laughs> This fic follows a lot of the events of the first The Fast and the Furious movie, um, including that Brian O'Connor is working as an FBI agent in conjunction with the LAPD to try and take down a ring of people who are like smuggling goods via cars and trucks. He's going by the name Earl Spilner, which did confuse some of our readers um, <laughs> at the beginning, and I should have clarified, but you know, we, we move on. So I'm clarifying for you, dear listeners. Dominic Toretto is involved in smuggling some electronics, um, and he also runs like a race car team. Um, the running the race car team isn't as much in the movie. That was sort of bumped up and sort of added onto more here. There is a lot of racing in the movies, but it tends to be like illegal drag racing in LA. And at one point, they do go out to the desert for a race that we couldn't decide if was legal or not. Um, that part doesn't really matter. <laughs> but there is more of sort of a, ra a race car team element to this. Partway through, Brian's cover is blown because guess what? Uh, Brian and Dom have matching names on their bodies, soul mark names. This fic begins with Dom developing Brian's name on his leg, um, and then it's sort of implied that Brian has been getting Dominic's name showing up on the back of his neck, like throughout the fic. Um, so this is something I really liked about this one that they sort of this doesn't really happen until they either are meeting each other or like about to meet each other. And it's not something that's like been faded since birth. I feel like it's a little bit more like a twist on that, which I really enjoyed. Because the Fast and Furious movies are, as we all know, ultimately about family. Um, <laughs> Brian and Dom having soul bond names uh, doesn't really present too much of a problem, actually. It sort of is like a good thing for them because Brian's like, hey, guess what? I actually don't have to testify against you to like the FBI anymore. Um, we can both be criminals and in love. Yay. Heart emojis <laughs> and car emojis. Um, so we love that. I had a really great time with this fic. As we all know, I am a huge fan of Astolat's writing style. I also, as some of us know, am a big fan of the Fast and Furious movies and really like it when cars go fast so this this was an all-around win for me um i did want to talk about briefly sort of the difference between soulmates and soul bonds because i feel like these are like tropes that are adjacent and also do have a substantial amount of overlap but there are times where they are on their own sides of the venn diagram and not in the middle of the venn diagram 
A soul bond generally refers to sort of some sort of either psychological or metaphysical connection between two people where they can either like hear each other's thoughts or like feel what the other one is feeling or like somehow are sort of tethered to each other in this way. Soulmate is often more just like that someone in the universe high above or the universe itself said you two are a pair and put some sort of marker on them to signify this. This one is definitely more of a soulmate fic, although there is the implication in it that, like, once soulmates find each other um, and, like, consummate that in some way, that there is a bond that's formed and, like, that is respected by law. Um, And also there is an implication that, like, maybe their soul bond isn't quite working the way that it's supposed to because Brian's like, wait. I thought that, like, more hap- like, they kind of are surprised they didn't know it immediately upon finding each other. I do wonder if this fic had been, like, continued longer, if there was a sequel. Like, would we know if there was, like, more to the bond that, like, developed after they sort of realized it and sort of started to have some of that connection? Um, so I do think this is one that sort of is more on the soulmate side, but does intersperse some of the soul bond elements as well um and yeah like i said i tend to enjoy soul bond a little bit more but i like both and i think this one definitely hit a lot of the elements of both of those tropes that i enjoy yeah in terms of content warnings i don't have any like big big ones for this there's a lot of just like what you expect from fast and furious so there's illegal activities um there is also reference to uh the loss of dom and mia's father in a racing accident years prior um and then the relationship with dom and brian is sort of reluctant at first after discovering the soul bond there's that element as well so we all know that this one was a win for me um my friends how do you feel about it so as we've established, I have not seen the Fast and the Furious movies. I did go on the ride at Universal Studios. So that's where most of my knowledge is. But that's when it's like The Rock. Um, so I was like, it must be Yeah, him. he is in the later movies, but I like really hate his character in the Fast and Furious franchise. Like he fucking mm. sucks. You said we mm-hmm. don't like the cops and he is like cop to the max. I see. We hate him. I think he's the main guy at the ride, but it might be Vin Diesel. Oh, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> I've never I been on the ride, so I can't remember corroborate so in any way. <laughs> well, I don't know. Anyway, I came into this um pretty pretty fresh when it comes to not knowing things. If you don't know anything about the Fast and the Furious, I do think this is readable. I think especially knowing that Earl is Brian's fake name, that helps a ton. If I had read the tags a little more closely, I think I would have gotten there sooner. (laughs) But I did get there eventually. There's some twists that I feel like I was still able to kind of roll with and even predict just by reading the fic and paying attention. So if you're interested and you like this author's work and you like soulmate fic specifically, I think this would be a win for you. I like think about sports. (laughs) We'll talk about this with the next one too. Um, But I think it's fun. I like that this fic was structured around like these races. I like that there were stakes from the very beginning. I like what Astolat always does with politics. This isn't a fic I think you would expect to have a lot of political machinations based on just the premise and the movie that it's about. But there is a lot of that in there, I think, especially for under 20k. It was impressive to me. So I'm excited to get more into like what actually happens because there are some twists and turns that the fic takes that I found myself quite delighted by. I love this franchise. Are these movies good? No. Yes. Are they also oh. phenomenal? No. Yes. Like, 
<laughs> recently the three of us um went to go visit some friends and brenna and i were staying with our friend and her boyfriend came home and i don't remember why he brought up the fast and furious movies but we started like <laughs> it was a mistake we were pitching we're like name you have to watch them they're so fun the first ones are actually pretty good and then they get progressively more whack but they're still so enjoyable there's some of them you have to skip because they're pretty bad but like we're just going on and on and he is like so polite and like quiet and nice and he was like oh Okay, yeah, maybe I'll watch these. <laughs> yeah, this friend is, like, the nicest boy and, like, certainly would not say anything to us like, fuck the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> but I do feel like he did not have the enthusiasm that we had. But it was, like, 11.30 p.m. and we had come off of, like, seven hours of driving and we were like, listen to us talk about yeah. Fast and Furious. Anyway... I watched a lot of the movies on my own, but then Brenna and I and a friend also have watched many of the movies together. I distinctly remember we were about to watch, like, I think it was, like, Fast 8 or 9, and I was like, haha, by the time they hit- I think it was 9. 9, or I was like, haha, by the time they hit Fast 12, they're gonna be in space, and then in that movie, they go to space in cars. <laughs> and I was like, Good never mind. Them. Every movie, um, new, oh my god, I was gonna say new ludicrous heights, and I did not mean the pun, but I guess I also mean Oh, is he in it? He's yeah. there! He's one of the ones who goes to space! Oh my god, good for him. Uh, that's probably why that word was in my head. Anyway, yeah. the first movie I genuinely think is, like, a good action movie. I love an action movie. I also enjoy... Cars that go fast and sports. So I was really enjoying this fic in which Astolat elevated that element of sport. As Brenna said, like the like legitimate race driving stuff is present in the movies, but not so much. I kind of really liked that it was more of the focus here. I definitely think this fic falls more solidly in the realm of like soulmate identifying marks than it does like soul bond in the way we think of it. But as Bren said, there's sort of like elements of it. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts about the different ways that people... Right, soulmates, soul bonds. This is a topic that the server actually was talking about recently. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was also thinking about, because I wrote it for my Yuletide fic, and so it was like interesting to see what elements Astolat was like picking and putting into this world. And yeah, and the different like roots that people can take with that trope. Yeah, really quick aside that's not about this fic specifically, but I was remembering um, as I was reading this fic and like thinking about this premise, years and years ago, Reed's first ever birthday episode was about soulmates. And uh, at the time, I talked a little bit about free will and fate. And I, it really made me think, like, dang, I think the reason that I'm a little cold on soulmate as a trope in general is because it kicks up my religious shit. What is up with that? <laughs> Are we kidding? I can't enjoy my little guys falling in love. <laughs> I can. Sometimes I can. Um, but that's just, like, interesting to think about. And I think this fic eschews that quite a lot. So I was able to appreciate the trope in this particular setting, because it's not doing the, there's one person who's destined for you, and, like, you must remain pure for them. Like, it gets into this weird space, for me at least, of, like, do what you're supposed to do with romance and with sex and sexuality, or else you're bad. These guys do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and good for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you can solidly uh, categorize these guys as sinners before <laughs> uh, anything sexual happens in this fic. So true. Um, yeah, I don't have uh, Nick's sort of religious, I don't want to, what would you say? Not trauma. Um, <laughs> Not really. Baggage, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say I have Nick's religious baggage regarding soulmates. And I have always found the idea very charming that there's someone out there who like fits with you perfectly. Um, I don't like the idea that like, you must live your life perfectly before you find this person. <laughs> That's a little icky. Um, but I do like the idea that there's someone who matches you really well in this world. But I, I feel like 
in knowing my uh, co-host's preferences about things, there were certain like elements that I was looking for in a soul bond or soulmate fic that I thought I would make it more appealing sort of to the whole group. And those are also things that are definitely appealing to me as a reader. Um, but a couple things that I wanted was that it didn't sort of start with like, oh, and Dominic's a baby and his parents find the name on him and all his life he searched for this person because I also don't love those. I kind of like better when we start with them a little bit older um, and that's like that they get to have a narrative that isn't just about the soulmate aspect. Um and that was the other part. I wanted this to have a narrative that wasn't just about the soulmates and I wanted them to be able to like have a relationship that wasn't just founded on seeing the name. So I really like that they don't see the names until about halfway through this fic. And it does really change things, but I think it also it changes them in like a number of interesting and dynamic ways, I think, regarding everything that's happening plot-wise in this fic as well. Um so for me those were big things that I was looking for that I thought would make this work. Again, sort of beyond just having a trope that one person likes. Um and those were also things that I think made this a very successful story to me. Uh I Again, think I do think the first Fast and Furious movie is the best of them. And if you were going to watch one of them, that's the one to watch. It is genuinely a fun, like, race action movie. Um, and it's a little campy. It has this, like, vintage feeling, to like, early 2000s LA vibe that I love. The aesthetics of the movie are so great. And I really like... Just like sort of that version of LA is is so sort of like romanticized in that movie in a way that was like really charming to me, especially as someone who like ended up living in LA for a number of years and like honestly not very far from the part of like LA where the Toretto's house is. Um, and so like kind of knowing those neighborhoods and like the vibe was really charming to me. Yeah, so I really like that this this story also centered around the first movie that I do think is like the strongest. This also again adds an element of like more race car driving like in sort of these organized races and like for prize money than the movies have the movies definitely are more like illegal street street racing that's more for sort of like winning cars off each other than like true prize money um but as someone who as we all know is into formula one um I, I certainly was not mad about the addition of more sort of organized racing and i think that that also added a level of sort of plot and politics that was very interesting here but yeah, I think also another thing that like worked for me in this is that like the whole concept of sort of having a Soulmark tattoo is a little bit campy and cheesy, especially I think the name version of it. Um and for me that just works with the Fast and Furious universe. Like it is campy and cheesy and I kind of am obsessed with the con like concept of Dom having a like tramp stamp-esque tattoo with like Brian's name on it. Like I think that's so good and like enriches the world in a way that I love. <laughs> I don't know. To me, just like all of his little like, again, like 2001 LA outfits, I think would just be really enhanced by knowing he has this tattoo. Um, so for me, I just like found it particularly sort of like charming within this universe uh, to have this addition. Also, I like that this is not something that happens to everyone. I think that's another thing that really works for me with Soulmate or Soul Bond. It's like when the universe sees two people and it's like, hmm, those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like every single person has to have someone prescribed to them. That also works really well for me. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about all of these things somewhat recently because for Yuletide, um, my recipient that I got matched with did not have a particularly long like list of requests or likes or whatever. So in the couple of likes that they had put, they mentioned soulmates. 
And as Nick said, a couple of years ago for our first year of birthday episodes, I brought soulmates. And for sure, when I first started reading the trope, I was much more, I don't even know if I was more into the sort of like name on wrist, whatever, or if that was just more of what was in the fandom tag. Like, I just don't think I was exploring many options that were not the more like, quote unquote, standard, how you might think of soulmates. Um, and as the years have gone by and I've been in different fandoms, I've definitely like moved further and further away from that. As Brenna mentioned, hockey has a lot of really interesting takes on soul bonds. Um, and that really kind of changed my perspective on like what that general trope or like tag could do. So when I saw that my Yuletide recipient had asked for soulmates, I was like, okay, yes. And how can I do this in a way that feels more interesting to me now? Like, you know, an execution that I, I would like to read. Because again, they didn't give me a whole lot. So I was like, okay, you're going to get my flavor of soulmates. And I ended up making a lot of similar choices that this fic did, which I found kind of funny while I was reading it. I went with identifying marks and not names, but it is a thing where the people didn't get their marks until they had met. Only one of them knew they had a matching mark at first and was keeping that secret. So for a lot of the fic, one person's kind of like, whatever, but also like not a ton of people in the world get marks. People can get marks for like all different sorts of types of relationships. Like it's not just a romantic thing. It could be platonic. It could be whatever. It's just like, this is an indicator that they're, this person who you have a sort of mark that matches with is important to you and like will have a big impact on your life and whatever. Um, but you don't have to pursue that in any particular way. Um, but when I was crafting the fic, I was just thinking about sort of like, I think a thing that you both were saying that this this fic allows both of these characters to be their own characters and have their own plot and do their own things that are not just like, I need to find my soulmate and my soulmate is now changing everything. Like it does change things. It obviously changes um, Brian's position as like, oops, undercover trying to bring Dom down to like, actually, I kind of hated that job anyway, and I was already having more fun being here. So now here's my easy out. Um, and I like, yeah, I like a version of this trope that allows them to have agency and have other things going on. It was what I enjoyed writing in my own fic. Um, and like I mentioned, the ficlets somewhat recently were having a conversation about soulmates and soul bonds. And people were like, oh, I love the variation that's like people see color, or I love the variation that's like this, this, this. Like, it was really fun just seeing people chiming in with like, the many different types that they've read. I like when a trope can be spun out so many different ways. And clearly on this podcast, we enjoy when a trope is taken in a new direction. We like things that are sometimes just a little bit different or a little bit unexpected. And not that this fic necessarily was- We're on the cutting like... edge of all the trends. Exactly. <laughs> We're trend seekers. It's not that this fic was necessarily doing like the most like groundbreaking work, but it definitely is a little bit different than just a straight up name on body trope uh which i enjoyed and i like how it both like fit with the first movie and also kind of took its own take on it because yeah in the first movie brian is like okay i'm an undercover fbi agent and then he's having the time of his life with dom and crew i mean i'm simplifying it a little bit but he is like pretty quickly wrapped up in things and pretty quickly becomes morally conflicted over what to do like he's doing his job but you can tell that he wants to be doing it less and less and this fic very much takes the same arc and so I thought it was both fun and frankly kind of comedic when you get to the point where they realize they're soulmates. And as Bren said, Brian was like, great, now I can't really be involved in this case at all. What an easy way for me to get out of here. Let's go be illegal racers together forever and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> mm -hmm. Another thing I just really enjoyed about this fic was how perfect the stunts felt again for like fast one. There's a bit where they are like they have the last sort of 
U-Haul's worth of stolen goods that they're trying to ditch so that they can't actually pin it on Dom. And they're like driving up the mountainsides and Brian kicks the rear windshield out of the car so he can unlatch the U-Haul or whatever. And it was just like so just on the edge of being absurd. But I was picturing every single beat of it perfectly in my head. It was exactly the right tone for this franchise. And again, for the like early movies of the franchise where like, the cars are doing things that cars shouldn't necessarily be able to do, but there's a suspension of disbelief versus like the car is now a plane, is now a boat, <laughs> is now a kayak. Yeah. The first movie especially had just like a lot of very fun, like on the edge car stunts that did feel like you could do it, but it'd be, you have to be, you have to execute it perfectly. <laughs> like, yeah, the things in this fic I feel like are, t- are technically doable. Also, they hit the NOS button, and that's, amen, that's all you need out so of a Fast true. and Furious fic. like to clarify, Ficklets, this is not an endorsement to do the stunts by Fit Click Podcast. No, no. Just to clarify. Please be. don't. Because you're like, no, 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 read. <laughs> Only under professional supervision. Yes. Go find the rock. <laughs> one, of my, one of my biggest disappointments in sort of getting into car racing a little bit more was learning that uh formula one doesn't have like a nos button i thought drs was gonna be nos it's so not and it's so disappointing and i don't care about drs at all because they don't push the little button and have like flames come out of the back yeah and then it goes nitrous yeah yeah like in the car racing video games the fast and furious franchise also has the thing where people have made um images of like what the gear shift looks like because they go into like 16 gears I do think for me, one thing I enjoyed about this, like the trope in general and also this fic is that it felt very specific, like the way the trope was employed felt very specific to this ship and this story. I could be wrong. Figlets, please let me know. Actually, I really want to know if I'm wrong. But I feel like people don't like OTP Dom slash Brian the same way they OTP like Merther. Um, It's like a different, it feels to me like a different shipping experience. I don't really OTP either of them. I never have. <laughs> so I, I can't speak to it, but I feel like it's different. And that does mean that this fic requires a different kind of use of narrative tension because most people are not going to click it and while reading, go into their little gremlin zone and go, hee 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 hee, I wonder if they're going to fall in love in this universe as they do in every other. Um, I mean, maybe they will. But this fic is so plot heavy because I feel like it does have to do a lot of work to keep you compelled, not only by the kind of dramatic irony of, okay, we know for sure that they're soulmates from the beginning. How is it going to happen? How are they going to get together? This world and this pairing, but especially the kind of canon of Fast and the Furious, again, to my knowledge, having not seen it, doesn't really set up a whole lot of like fluffy soulmate potential. At least not if you're taking the gritty kind of realism route of, okay, and he is undercover and they are doing these car stunts, but it's like really dangerous and they're smuggling electronics and we don't know what's going to happen and they might not like each other and they might have like borderline dubcon sex about it, but then they're also like on the run in their car driving really fast. There's not a whole lot of space for like, oh, and Dominic, I've always loved you. Look at the back of my neck. (laughs) Um, and then they like embrace no shade to any Merther stands out there I don't know if that's what they do in their fix either maybe they do though I feel like they're more likely to like low-key yeah sometimes (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) 
So I just liked that this particular setting felt well-equipped to tell the kind of story that this fic set out to tell, which is not so much about, oh my gosh, like, it could only have ever been you. It's, okay, it's you and it's me, and now we have to figure out what we do with that and how we get there and, like, why and how can it make sense. And also, we're just linked together now, so we gotta make it happen. I agree that this universe definitely is not, like, light and fluffy and, oh my god, it's you. I do think there are intense homoerotic vibes between Dom uh-huh. and Brian, especially in the first movie, the whole, like, I owe you a 10-second car. Do they, like, put their foreheads together? You know? how They, sometimes, like, might, like, frankly. Men are, like... I don't know, but there's that vibe for sure. Once again, okay. the, the I owe you a 10-second car bit really comes back in some, like, emotional ways. What does that even mean? Uh, so at the oh my god what if i don't remember the plot right but like at one of these like <laughs> i would no, know. take it away at one of the illegal drag races where they are sort of like betting cars more than they're betting money and brian is trying to like get the trust of dom to get him like to let brian into his crew they race and brian bets his car it's like zero to 60 right intense or zero uh, to 110 seconds whatever it is zero to 60 and 10 sounds slow to me a listener to mm-hmm. of rihanna's song disturbia Right. That's yeah. what I was thinking, too. <laughs> yeah, That's my like, opinion. I was like, it's, yeah. Um, but it's, like, it, within 10 seconds, and then they race, and Brian loses by, like, a couple centimeters, but then the cops show up, so then, like, he can't actually get the car, so then Dom is like, you owe me a 10-second car, and then Brian's in the group, and then all of these things happen, and then at the end when Dom needs to get away, like, Brian gives him the car to get away, and he's like, well, I still owe you a 10-second car. Uh, and it just, there, But there's a lot else mm-hmm. going on, but that bit is really, like, I emoji- yeah, I love it. This really does bring me to my potential thesis. Like, is Fast and Furious queer found family despite everything <laughs> being pretty heterosexual? Like aggressively heterosexual? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because the thing about Fast and Furious that, like, cracks me up, but I also, like, is genuinely a thing I love about it, um, is its emphasis on, like, family is everything. But, like, the thing, their conception of family is both, like, people who are blood relatives and also just anyone that they sort of have adopted if you get to come to the sunday barbecue at the toretto's you are family um and then they will do anything for you which is so found family but then there's actually like no queerness in the movies at all Uh, is it like problematic Um, of me to ask like is the vibe like family like the mafia family (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you're in like and i'm no it's, it's really just okay. like i mean there's some people that they like don't have i feel like as good relationships with like in it and obviously there's like interpersonal like tensions because that's just like you have to kind of have that not everyone like gets along at every moment especially when you're like the stakes are so high in each movie like <laughs> but no it's genuinely like if you're in you're in like there's not uh and then we'll stab you in the back and leave a horse head or whatever because i was wondering Godfather. if this I've could qualify as like a mafia au in its no. own way or they're like a criminal i don't think so no it's more like if you're in you're in and then if you do something wrong we will have your back like we will make sure that you oh. are safe and okay yeah how nice even if you're like even if you are like the worst criminal if you're in your family unless you're okay. dom's brother who doesn't appear until like movie six and is like dom's always John talking Cena. about family but he left me behind <laughs> and it's like what are we doing Doing. yeah the the toretto family in terms of sort of visual genetic appearances <laughs> is also really f- it's i could just spend a lot of time talking about these movies we don't have time for it um but i genuinely feel like the sort of emphasis on like 
once there is this bond, your family and like we're ride or die for family, like truly ride or die is like the Fast and Furious way. I feel like really like works for the sort of family is all that we got. So we got. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, Sorry, family sponsored by Corona, by the way. They're always drinking Coronas at the Sunday barbecue. It's product placement to the highest degree and it is so funny. Fast and Furious loves cars. Family and Corona. Exactly. Amen. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like, honestly, the sort of, like, family's everything really works with the soul bond. Like, it makes it extra believable to me that Dom would just be like, well, you're in now. Here we are. Like, your family. <laughs> Thank you for coming on this journey to the universe of Fast and the Furious. Um, I love it there. It's campy. It's fun. It's... I wouldn't say it's family friendly, but it's it's certainly family oriented in its own particular way. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this fic. I love soul bonds, especially when they come with a twist and especially when they do what I think this fic did very well and like fit them to the specific characters. Um, yeah, so I had fun. This is exactly what I want for Valentine's Day to drive in a fast car. <laughs> Soulmate not needed. Fast car needed. <laughs> Max had a feeling that he belonged, but Charles, Charles had a feeling he could be someone. My speed-filled romance fic for this episode is All to Play For by Linearity, which is a Formula One fic. The pairing is Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, This is a fic that is the third in a series, and we talked about the fic that is right before this, the second in the series, in episode 83, The Poorest Little Meow Meow on the Grid, The Poorest Little Meow Meow being Charles Leclerc of this fic. Yeah. I have to rescind that after reading this fic. I'll tell you who I think the new Poorest Little (laughs) Meow Meow is later. Oh, okay. We haven't really done this before. Like, we will frequently tell you, like, oh, this is a good time to, like, stop and go read the fic if you want to or X, Y, Z. We don't normally give you homework to this degree, but I put this on Twitter and I put this in the Discord and I put it at the end of last episode. You really should go listen to the discussion of the previous fic on that previous episode because I think it will make this upcoming discussion much more listenable. Um, I am not going to recap everything that happened in the fic, although I will say... If you did just kind of go into this fic and read it without looking at anything else, it does talk a lot about what happens in the second fic, but I do think, again, like, our discussion is probably going to play off stuff we talked about last time. So, sorry, my homework is to tell you to go listen to more fic click. You should do that. Well, that will you're make- welcome. Yeah, it, you're so welcome. Enjoy our dulcet tones. Yeah. The preface that I will give you in case you are deciding to forge ahead without the knowledge of the previous discussion or the fix or Formula One is that... Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen currently in real life drive for two different teams, Ferrari and Red Bull. In the last fic, Max convinces Charles that he should leave Ferrari and come to Red Bull because he might actually have a chance of achieving his championship dreams. And he decides to do so, but that entire fic plays out Charles' last season with Ferrari and his feelings about that and his sort of like whirlwind relationship with Max. And towards the end of that fic, Charles says something like, hey, we're going to be teammates next year. This could be a really bad idea to also be in a relationship. Are we sure we should do this? And Max is like, if we crash and burn, we crash and burn, but at least we'll have tried it. This is the fic in which they try it, and they do kind of crash and burn, but it's breakup makeup, so keep that in mind. It's very, like, fuck around and find out. Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
This author did a wildly impressive job of making up an entirely fictional Formula One season down to all of the nitty gritty points and technicalities, which is such a feat. Um, and in case you're not familiar with the sport, it does span for most of the year. I think the season runs for about nine months. So again, if you're reading this fake without a ton of knowledge, that is, I think, a good thing to keep in mind in terms of like how this relationship plays out. This fic, like the previous one, is Charles POV. Um, it does have a couple new elements in it, though. It has a couple multimedia elements. There are interview transcripts. There's uh, radio between the drivers and their, um, like, race engineers. There's a couple different things going on, and we do also get one section from Max, which was fun to see more of Charles, but then also to get, like, a little bit of a new flavor in this story. Uh, within that, though, especially within the Max section, um, I'm just going to go into the content warnings and... One of them is sort of referenced, um, mentioned child abuse. Um, if you know anything about the sport, Joss Verstappen is mentioned and his sort of impact on Max is present in this fic. And my other content warning is that there is a car accident that is pretty rough. Everyone is fine, but the scene of it is uh, pretty intense. So those would be my content warnings for this fic. As mentioned in the intro, this is breakup makeup. And as just mentioned, this is fuck around and find out. Um, the overall scope of this fic is really just Charles struggling with how to have a relationship with Max and also have his drive to beat his teammate and win a championship and deciding he can't have both. So he's going to win the championship at all costs, even if it makes him so goddamn miserable. This fic is a lot of Charles being in his own head and trying to figure out what price he is willing to pay to win, which for him is a pretty high price. I enjoyed being back in our little Verklerk sphere. I know that it is not Brenna and I's top ship necessarily in Formula One, but we are all Linearity fans on this podcast, and I thought this was a really good follow-up to the previous story. I do think it makes total sense in the previous fic to sort of end on this hopeful note of Max being like, it'll be fine, we can do it, and this fic being like, it's actually pretty fucking difficult to be professional athletes who are competing against each other at such a high level and to try to, like, hold intimacy and care for someone and also this competitive drive and also the many other factors that are going on like i liked the sort of realism so to speak that this fic brought realism for the sake of like it's it's fan fiction it's these are this is all fake and made up and pretend but i do like that it really went in with the stakes and sort of the consequences of what they were doing before i really get more into my thoughts i will turn it over to my co-hosts i'm especially intrigued to hear nick last fic turned you into a verklerker after so much time spent around brenna and i where you really did not care about formula one you had such passion before <laughs> so i am excited to hear both of your thoughts but i hope this was an enjoyable return to formula one stay tuned for my verklerk thoughts yeah i'm such a fan of linearity um we are linearity fans in this house i believe Verklerk is not my top ship. We are that is correct, but it's it's we're vibing. Um, I can vibe in a Verklerk space, and this is a very well written fic. Something that I absolutely adore in sports RPF, and I feel like that I haven't really seen outside of sports RPF spaces. I think it could be in K-pop, but people don't really do it in K-pop the same way that they do in sports. Whatever. <laughs> um, is these like super methodically thought out fake seasons? <laughs> It slaps. I love it. Um, Linearity did so much work here to like chart what happens with like the points for the seasons, the wins and losses, how sprint races impact it. Like so good. I just love that like rich extra layer of texture that that gives to an RPF fic. Um, and again, it's something that really can only come when you are a big fan of the thing that you're writing about. 
out. And I just, I don't know, it works so well for me. It's something that I really had appreciated in hockey fic. And like, I found myself very much missing until I sort of came back into the sports RPF world with Formula One. And I've encountered it a few times now. And again, I think linearity just like knocked it out of the park in that regard. Um, And that definitely added an extra layer that like, I really, really enjoyed here. Um, I just, I also really enjoy sort of the charting of Max and Charles's relationship along with the season in the way that they did. Uh, that works so well for me. Um, honestly, if like that is its own trope, the like <laughs> having a really well thought out fake season. <laughs> um, that's my, that's my pick here. <laughs> I feel very neutral on breakup makeup. It's something that can totally win me over. And it's also something that can totally flop for me. It's not necessarily a thing I like go searching for. um, But it's also not a tag I avoid. I think here it really worked. Um, And I think part of what really worked was, again, having the very like grounded setting um, and a lot of things happening around Charles and Max that felt relatively realistic i say relatively because as a formula one fan i just can't see charles at red bull um although but like crazy things have been happening in the formula one sphere recently absolutely yeah. lewis absolutely what are you doing so anyway? you never know you never know i say that but like i could be so wrong um we're gonna finish recording and then in a week from now we're gonna get like a news <laughs> alert that's like charles leclerc to red bull come on i love it I think genuinely like the length of this fic this is a 49k fic and like that it did make it a slightly tougher reading week because we had two very long fics and one (laughs) also not that short fic um sure I think you could have edited all to play for down a little bit like it wouldn't have hurt it necessarily but I think it did need like the majority of the space that it took to build out this relationship and to convince us of the breakup makeup um I just don't think that's something that you can necessarily do in a particularly convincing way in a short space. So I think this is one where like it would be hard for us to talk about this fic if it wasn't kind of nearly as long as it is. So I think those are two factors that for me like really contributed to this being a successful execution of the trope that it that it set out with. Yeah, this was a long reading episode. I would like to I'm so sorry, shout out Brenna for getting sick. Sorry, Queen. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> You're, I don't know what to say to that. Like, you shed me out with the news. Yeah, sorry. thank you. I'm so sorry. Um, it gave us an extra week, which I needed. When I was listening to last year's Valentine's Day episode to, like, hear what I had said about breakup mm-hmm. makeup, that one also got delayed. I can't remember why, which I don't know what that'll say about next year's. Although at least, like, Brenna delaying us a week uh, means that this is actually closer to Valentine's Day when it gets dropped. So uh, thank you, Queen. Hey. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome, actually, for my finds a way. <laughs> Um, yes, I am still a hardcore Verklerker, the fickles of unclamoring to know. <laughs> Verklerk is my F1 OTP, for sure. It is, in fact, the only ship I really care about. <laughs> it's kind of a low bar, because I don't need to care about it that much for it to win out for me. <laughs> but I love them. Yeah. Am I convinced that they're actively dating in real life? No. Um, but that is a really high, I feel like, burden of shipping for sports RPF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've... Have I ever been convinced that a sports RPF pairing is dating in real life? No. 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 <laughs> Maybe I think there was a little something-something happening behind uh-huh. the scenes, but like not that they were like secretly getting married. <laughs> yeah. It's a phantom where your tin hat will collect dust on its shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, we love Rick Lurk. Um, Charles Leclerc, for sure, my favorite meow meow on the grid. Uh, not the poorest one anymore, but my favorite one for sure. 
I freaking love breakup makeup. I don't know what it is about it. It is definitely a top tier trope for me. There is just something about like the the ups and the downs and the anger and the drama and the getting back at each other and the missing each other. This is my absolute nightmare in real life. I have no interest ever in experiencing anything half this dramatic, I feel like, in my own love life. But man, is it fun to read. And I think it's like, I'll talk about this more later, but I think the particular choice to put this in the context of an F1 season and to put them on the same team also was so effective because you get so many feelings and so many instances of them bumping into each other. I feel like half the time with breakup makeup fix, I kind of want them to break up because I'm like, wait, your independent lives away from each other are definitely better. But like them being broken up is not really better for either of them in this fic. Unless you look exclusively at stats, but that's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I really enjoyed it. I feel like My best metaphor for this fic is at the end of the previous fic, Charles is like, we can't have our cake and eat it too. And Max is like, of course we can, baby. And so they eat cake. And then in this fic, partway through the fic, Charles starts choking. (laughs) And he's like, oh, fuck, I don't know how to do the Heimlich. So he's choking for like a really long time. And then eventually, with some help from his friends and uh, I guess learning perhaps about how to do the Heimlich on yourself on the back of a chair. (laughs) Ficklets, you should learn this for your safety. Um, He does eventually stop choking, and that's very exciting, and they get to continue with their cake. There is cake in this fic, too, so that's actually an effective metaphor, in my opinion. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, I think part of what made the breakup makeup work so well for me in this fic is that this fic picks up on the high that the last fic left off. The first couple races are so fun for Charles. Like, he is having a great time being able to race wheel-to-wheel with Max. And they're sort of trading off wins. I think Max is winning a little bit more, but, like, it's fine. Like, the championship is still, like, they're only within a couple points of each other, and it's, like, totally doable. And I think the real tipping point was Monaco, which was so brutal. Charles is from Monaco. It's his home race. One of the biggest reasons that I know that this fic is fictional is because it says that he ever won a race in Monaco. I think he got that in this, like, fictional 2024 season. It was the previous fic, right? Yeah. Charles Mm -hmm. Leclerc has never had a good time at Monaco ever in his life. Last year, the three of us before the season all made bingo cards, and I put... One of my bingo squares was just Charles Good Monaco race. I didn't even ask for a win or a podium. I just said <laughs> I think I put win. I just said good. Sorry, I said the race. Too high. <laughs> and I couldn't even check it off. In this fic, Charles starts like in a great position to win and things are going well. And then it cuts to like a radio log between Charles and his race engineer. And like Charles is like, what is Max doing? And the race engineer is like, we told him not to like push basically like we told him to stay behind and max ends up overtaking charles and wins and gets first and charles is second but charles is so gutted by it and when he has a kind of blowout with max about it he realizes halfway through the fight that he is like i thought you would let me have this because it's my home race and because it matters so much to me and because we're dating and he says something kind of to that effect but max is perplexed max is like we are racers. We said when we started this that we were not going to let it interfere with our racing. Like, of course, I'm always going to push as hard as I can. And it makes, frankly, so much sense from both sides. Like, I understand how Charles fell into that pit of being like, well, we're together. Of course, he wouldn't sort of betray me in this way. And Max, like the very sort of logical, straightforward thinking of 
we are Formula One drivers when we're on the track we're racing and when we're off the track, we get to be gay and in love. And it was just sort of a brutal scene to read and things go down and down and down from there. And when they actually break up, Max doesn't even realize that Charles is breaking up with him at first, which is also a wretched scene to read. Charles is like, I can't really do this anymore. And Max is like, okay, what are you going to do? Like, we're halfway through the season. Like, what contract is even going to take you? Like, you have, like, a deal with Red Bull. Like, you can only walk out so soon. And Charles is like, no. Like, when I said I couldn't do this anymore, I meant I can't do this. Us. And that was so horrible to read and just really is the beginning of a pretty tough spiral for Charles. He is, he does start winning races, but um, it's not fun or good at any point for him. He's spinning. And he gets mean. I actually really appreciate that this fic lets him make so many mistakes and then lets him get called out for so many mistakes later on in the story. Like he does acknowledge, man, I have been so terrible. Eek. Because it is so real. Like this does feel like such a natural conclusion for him to come to. It feels like such a natural issue to bump up against. Like, you're literally in competition for first place with something that matters to you so much with not only the best driver in the league, but also your boy toy. That's <laughs> going to be rough on... The well, they don't call each other boyfriends at the beginning of this fic. I know, but like, out of all the words you could have chosen... Okay, <laughs> I was halfway through continue. boyfriend and had to abort because I was like, they're not boyfriends. <laughs> no, that's a whole big thing too. Yeah. Well, it'll do a number on your psyche. And so Charles starts lashing out at people. He lashes out at Max. He lashes out at himself in a lot of ways, especially within the narration. And he lashes out at his friends. So this brings me to the poorest little meow meow on the grid, Pierre, who is not doing great. He's not having an amazing season. He's not going to win the championship. He's trying to be nice. Charles is keeping stuff from him. And then Charles is like, you don't understand. Like, you've never been in a position to win and you never cuts himself off but the obvious <laughs> continuation of that is you never will be pierre you little fool you slow tortoise <laughs> who do you think you are pierre like that's the vibe you know pierre raced for red bull for a little bit and then got like oh. summarily booted because he wasn't good enough at keeping up with max like red bull chews people up and spits them out <laughs> <laughs> that is a shame yeah no i just really loved the ways in which this fic really does let us see what happens when you spin out like this, when you spiral, when you go to a bad place, when you like, I think some fix have the person be like, I'm breaking up with you for your own good and for my own good because this will never work. And you're like supposed to feel sympathetic towards them. I felt for what Charles was going through, but this fic didn't ask me to feel bad for him for making this decision. And I really appreciate that because I think then it earns the reconciliations that we get later in the fic, especially with Pierre. That was one of my favorite scenes in this story where they're talking and he's like, sorry. And Pierre's like, yeah, for what? Keep going. <laughs> and then like they're in bed and he's like, and here's all of the different things that you did wrong and all of the ways you messed up. And Charles is like, ah, he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. I don't know. It felt really effective to me. And I love that this fic invested in kind of breakup makeup around friendships too. Absolutely. I think one thing that was like holding me back from giving this fic like my whole heart is just that I am at heart a Max girly. Mm -hmm. And it is... I'm sorry, it's a toxic trait. Like, we all know that it's like, 
out of everyone to like stand on the formula one grid like why why <laughs> at me this was a terrible choice like it's not good i'm not like proud of it um i think like all all the drivers that i like in like numbers two three and four are like much better choices than max in a lot of ways but my heart is where it is um and that's beautiful so <laughs> yeah <laughs> So we get like one bit in the middle where it's like from Max POV, and I was like, "What if that had been the whole thing?" <laughs> Sorry, linearity. Um, I appreciate the the love that you have for Charles. Um, I just had a moment where I wanted it to all be Max's POV because I do think Max is so interesting here. Um, like Charles is fully just rolling around in his own sadness that he's like partially made for himself. It's definitely not all like his fault. Um, but like he's made some choices that like really contributed to his own just depression moments. Um, and like I really felt for Max, but like Charles is like also really mad at Max, which I think totally like again Everything Charles is doing, like, makes sense for Charles. But from the outside, you want to just, like, shake them both. Um, but, like, I kind of particularly wanted to shake Charles because he was making a lot of choices that I didn't think were necessarily... Well, again, they were for narrative purposes. But if we were looking past sort of narrative purposes, you were like, why are you doing this? <laughs> you don't have to dig your own hole this deep. Right. You can... Let's get out of the the grave or whatever, mm -hmm. Charles. It's time. Um... <laughs> I understand that reference, but I'm not sure the figlets will. They either will or they won't, and that's on them. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, I think this fic was kind of brutal to Max, who, like, again, it's... This is where it becomes very difficult to talk about RPF, because you're like, this is my reading of this person who I see in a PR way. But also, here's this fictionalized character version of them, which I understand is a fake and fictional version. But what if I... Uh, then I'm comparing the two <laughs> and it's not like not really a fair thing to do but it's like what we all do in our brains anyway um because that's sort of how RPF works anyway this is all to say that like Max as a person seems to sometimes be a little bit oblivious to other people's feelings about things or if not oblivious just like puts his own first um and I think that definitely like comes through in this fic very clearly but oh my god it was like the the first breakup is brutal I think Charles is trying to sort of do to Max almost like what we as fans do to someone that we enjoy in like an RPF sense, which is like put them in two different boxes. The box where it's like the person who does the thing on the track, which like for us as fans is just like the PR version of Max that we get. And then also the person that like for us would be like writing the little fan fiction, but Charles is like his boyfriend and it's like where the feelings are. And But you're putting these two boxes where it's like the public persona and the private persona. And like the big part of Charles's realization throughout this fic is like, I can't do that. If there's one Max and he's not broken up into two people. And I think especially Max as a character is very like effective for like prompting Charles to like make that realization. I think there are definitely people that like, even on the Formula One grid, sort of if you made them into characters, you could more easily divide them into two people. But Max just, like, doesn't present himself that way either, kind of. Like, he very much seems like someone that, like, even if you're not getting everything about him, he's just not going to be that different off the grid and on the grid. He, like, kind of views his whole life with a similar lens. Yeah, I think for Charles, who, like, doesn't necessarily view his life that way, to be trying to grapple with, like, the perspectives that Max has on everything and, like, the different ways that they see their relationships is just like, oh, uh, it was agonizing. I mean, it was great, but like, wow, linearity coming for us. I felt like called out by that almost in like a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> Where I was like, oh no, but I've separated him. <laughs>
Okay, a part that I felt kind of called out by, um, and also a through line in this fic that I felt ill over, is um, just called out in a, in a general sense. I'll get there. But when Charles breaks up with Max, Max is just kind of like, okay, and walks out. And Charles has this narrative over and over again where he's like, he wishes that Max fought for him. He says it to his mom. He says it to Max, like when, uh, when they have their sort of reconciliation talk. But there's a bit. So early in their relationship when things are kind of going bad, but they are still together, they kind of have a little bit of a fight. And then Max shows up in Charles's like room at night and kind of like holds him. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And they smooth things over and it's fine. Much later, there is a scene in which Charles wakes up in the middle of the night to a phone call and Max is calling him and he's like, I miss you. And Charles is like, you didn't fight when I said we should stop. And Max is like, was I supposed to? And Max is like, how how was I ever supposed to know that? Like, they have this whole conversation. And in the morning, Charles wakes up and he's like expecting some kind of text from Max. Like, sorry, that was a weird convo we had. And there is nothing. And he looks at his phone and realizes they haven't actually spoken over the phone in months. And he dreamed the entire thing. And it was wretched and abysmal. It was horrific. And that bit sort of at the end, like when they are talking and they are reconciling, he says, I don't know, Max, maybe just fought. I wanted you to tell me no. I wanted... I wanted to feel like I was worth the fight, even if we would have broken up in the end. And I felt so bad for Charles because it felt so understandable, even as it was so wildly unfair of him. You cannot break up with someone and then like expect them to fight you for it or like to have this like implicit understanding of like, I wanted to know I was worth it and I wanted to know I was worth it in this way. Like, this is how you could have shown that you cared. This is what could have alleviated some of my insecurities or whatever. Like, that is not fair. You do not get to silently in your head project beams at someone and go, this is how I need you to show up for me without ever indicating it. And yet I also found it like so deeply human and understandable to be like, I wanted to feel like I was worth it, that it actually hurt me when you walked out and it seemed like it didn't matter to you at all. And it felt like my whole world was shattering. Like, I don't know. I think it ties into what you were saying earlier, Nick, about Charles just being allowed to like make mistakes and to be messy because I think again the way that he makes mistakes in his messy they feel very human even if they also made me want to shake him like again this conversation where I was like that's not fair you can't have expected that of Max Charles by the end of this fic realizes like yeah no I cannot have asked that of Max and his mom is like when Charles is like but he didn't fight for me Charles's mom is like and how was he supposed to know like <laughs> you were breaking up with him yeah so he does realize but also yeah it's like if you said you loved me and then I said, we should break up. And you went, okay. Did you <laughs> ever actually sucks. really love me? Yeah. Right. Like, it fully makes sense from Max's perspective to be like, okay, fine. You break up with me. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out. And I also right. get Charles's hurt there. I don't know. It's so nuanced. It's so good. I have to talk about Linearity's endnote. That's basically like, surprise, it was a hero's journey the whole time. I'm here to talk about the hero's journey. <laughs> I thought you might be. As a narrative structure. I'm always here to talk about the hero's journey as a narrative structure. Well, I think part of what I was thinking about this like also aligns a lot with what we were saying earlier, that this fic opens with them happy, right? You get to see like the hero in his world <laughs> as we understand him, as we know him. We have these kind of different... It's like interesting because the calls for Charles are very much about like, could I win? How do I win? I want to win. It means a lot to me. Max has four. Screw that. Like, I should have a win. But I know he's not going to let go of that um, or of his desire to race to the best of his ability because he is not a loser. And then you flash over to his Max's interlude where like, you hear his dad's voice in his head like, you are not a loser. And you're like, oh, Christ. Uh, but back to Charles. <laughs> like, so much of this story actually is about 
his relationship with racing. It definitely is a breakup makeup with Max, but it's also about like how you can lose yourself in pursuit of something bigger. It's about like last fic, the previous one in our last discussion, we talked about this through line of like, Charles, where is your hunger? (sighs) This fic definitely comes back to that a few times. And like, he's so hungry, it's consuming him. His friends are like, are you good? Dude, you sound insane. Because <laughs> he's like, I have to win at all costs and I don't care what it loses me. Like, this is the only thing I have left. And they're like, bro, if like you're nothing, if you don't win, what does that make me? This is my Pierre impression. Uh, am I just like gum on the bottom of your shoe? Like, wake up and be a human being. But then also, like, this is sports RPF. We're inside of the narrative. Like, the only reason we even care about Charles as a potential, like, RPF character is because he's very good at racing. (laughs) If he wasn't, he wouldn't be in Formula One and we wouldn't be writing fic or reading fic about him. So, like, that meta-textual level of stakes and of you have to succeed and this is tied to your identity and this is who you are and we want to see you succeed but we're also struggling because we want this ship to be successful we want you to figure out your shit we want you to have your friendships like all of that works so well and then you add in the structure of a hero's journey which by nature ends with the idea that you can never really go home like i was thinking about that so much tied in with the very last scene of this fic we've been spoiling all kinds of things spoilers again for the last scene which is right before the final race of the season like as it's starting and it's the tiebreaker and we don't know who wins it ends because at the end of the day like the point is that charles is someone different and ideally, he's, I mean, okay, it is actually really funny to imagine Max winning after all this. <laughs> like, goddamn. Yeah, I was gonna say, in your heart, who do you think wins? Charles absolutely wins in my heart. Brenna's face Reed? disagrees. I know. <laughs> no, it's fine. Charles can win. I think narratively, Charles has to win, and it has to not mean what he thought it was going to mean. Mm-hmm. In my brain, if we're if we're treating this as a hero's journey, that feels mm-hmm, to me mm-hmm. like the natural extension of what happens. Yes, absolutely. And like, I feel like it's so smart to leave off there because it doesn't matter. It matters that they got back together. Yeah, but that's not the end. And it matters that they made it to this point and they're on equal ground. It matters that Charles has a chance. But ultimately, the thing that matters the most in this whole story is the thing that most heroes' journeys are trying to unpack, which is, can I stand on my two feet and even attempt to answer the questions of who I am and what matters to me? Like, sure, you saved the world, congratulations, but you come home to yourself at the end of the day. And so where does that leave Charles? I just thought it was brilliant. I love that Linearity left off with that end note. I was like, I am thinking the cogs in my brain are turning, and I am absolutely here with you on this. One thing off of the hero's journey is like the hero has a mentor and in this fic the mentor is Sebastian Vettel which I think makes sense for so many reasons because Sebastian Vettel is also someone who raced for Ferrari and then went to Red Bull and won championships with Red Bull and this fic references like I believe it's real I didn't look it up but with all of the research Linearity did I have to believe that this is actual that like it was like 2013 or something Sebastian Vettel had only won a couple races. They go on summer break and then he wins oh, yeah. every single race after summer break. And that's how he gets his championship or like one of his championship titles. Was that before or after he gets seduced by an incubus? I couldn't remember. Um, I would say before, probably. I think the Sebastian okay. Vettel in the fic that I brought where he does get seduced by an incubus, he seems older. Um, okay, been. thank you. Yeah. Um, but I think it just makes so much sense because Charles is holding on to this like, oh, if Sebastian did it, I can do it too. But whenever he talks to Sebastian on the phone, Sebastian is so like level he's like 
he's retired and he has his family and he tells Charles to fight for it, but like not, not in the way that Charles takes that advice. Um, and briefly, I know that we had mentioned that the season is so meticulously plotted in this fic. And there are many things about it that could feel a little bit like too on the nose or indulgent. Like the fact that they do go into that final race exactly tied, except like that is how 2021 went for Max and Lewis. And it was like bonkers. Again, like the thing with Sebastian Vettel, like this idea like, oh, that Charles could lose and lose and suddenly be winning and winning and winning. Like it could feel like, okay, but that doesn't actually feel very realistic. I like that. Yeah, these pieces are all put into the fic to make the narrative work the way that Linearity wanted to. But even the things that seem kind of outrageous or like that's just very convenient that this works out for Charles are all pretty rooted in things that have actually happened in the sport before. Um, and I just really appreciated that as well. Yeah, I just have to say that like reading this fic and also our now like sort of two discussions about it, pre-discussion and today, have made me feel rabid for this Formula One season that starts <laughs> in approximately two weeks from when we're recording this. Um, at least that's when preseason testing starts and we'll get also the new season of Drive to Survive. And I am so ready, especially because like going into this fic, you have this question of like, can Charles compete at Red Bull? Like, what's the car going to be like? All of these things. And I have the same exact questions about this season, not Charles at Red Bull, but like, <laughs> is the Ferrari car going to be decent? How is Charles going to compete? Is this actually going to be a season where we get a real like championship fight between Max and Charles like we thought we were going to get last year and then we didn't? Like Charles' year? It's probably not Charles' year, but I hope that it is closer to Charles' year. I need Ferrari to be competitive for the season to be fun. And I also want Mercedes to be more competitive. I want to see how Lewis does. Like, there's I have so many questions and I'm so excited for it and I feel like this linearity fic just like set me up perfectly for the start of the season I also have to give a shout out to uh my favorite cameo in this <laughs> fic George Russell <laughs> oh not Martin Garrix um oh no well n- no we can't go into the MDMGC <laughs> right now that's for another time um, that's for another time um yeah, I have to give a I have to give a shout out to my favorite cameo, George Russell. He cracked me up in this. I find George very funny as a person anyway. Like he is so British and like everything that comes out of his mouth sounds like it like could be a parody or a joke, but like is really just like how he is. Um and linearity captured that perfectly. So thanks for making me laugh in the midst of like Charles's darkest moments mm-hmm. because George was like cracking me up. Blimey, it's so good to win. I never thought this could have been. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> right, yo. <laughs> I love him. Once again, we are leaving off a linearity fic with still so much more to say. Ficlets, I referenced the crash in the content warnings and I did, we didn't even get to talk <laughs> yeah. about it. It's such a potent It made scene. me cry. There's so much happening there. Um, this fic is packed full with so many things that all three of us love. And I think it was a very successful execution of breakup makeup, crushing the fast cars and the romance this episode. Michael doesn't really have a feeling that he belongs, but he does have a feeling that he could be someone. All right, cowards, it's time to talk about Millstone Director's Cut so much. Oh my gosh, we're finally here. Everyone, welcome to Millstone. This is a fic for the Fandom Achievement Hunter RPF, and it was originally posted in 2013, but the version we're talking about was updated in 2020. If you know anything about Achievement Hunter and Rooster Teeth, you know that there is this one guy who we hate and who really sucks and did a bunch of bad stuff, and a lot of fic authors either took down fics that contained him at all or revamped them. This author revamped it. He's not present whatsoever. We love that. 
and it made me feel like I could bring this fic, which I have loved for so long. In this fic, our two main characters are Michael Jones and Gavin Free. Michael is a bodyguard. Michael was previously working for the CIA, and eventually was let go after some unfortunate events by no fault of his own. He now works as private security for this company, and ends up getting assigned to a case where he is looking after, or bodyguarding, or kind of making sure this person is safe, uh, our other guy, Gavin. Gavin is the video camera guy for two documentary makers who live in DC, they're two of our other characters in this story, and they make kind of controversial documentaries and have a lot of enemies because they keep revealing stuff that people would rather not be public information. But they're not afraid. They're true journalists. And there is a threat to their lives. Gavin lives far away from them in Austin, Texas, and Michael is assigned there as his first job. This fic basically is partly about them meeting each other, about Michael being like, this is the most annoying guy I've ever met. Wait, I have a crush on him. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) And we're living together, and we're together 24-7, and we're learning about each other, and I'm coming to terms with my trauma from my past. Gavin is kind of sharing some stuff, opening up slowly. Their relationship deepens. And it is partly action, adventure, things kick off. I'm sure we'll get to talk about how that happens. Uh, And I think it follows what, in my mind, is a pretty traditional and frankly superior plot arc that a bodyguard AU should go through. And I'll say more about that too. In terms of content warnings, I feel like genre-typical violence is the main one. There are guns. There are mean people. There's peril. There is pursuit. There is peril. Yes. That's pretty much it. Otherwise, a lot of the story is pretty quiet. And then when things kick off, it's just kind of the genre-typical violence. So yeah. Oh, I love this fic so much. It's so deep in my heart. I'm excited to talk about it. I have a lot to say, so I'm not going to say anything else right now. I will just say I want to hear what my co-hosts think, and then we'll talk more. This episode is such a slam dunk for me. Three fandoms I enjoy, three fics that I personally think slap. I had read Millstone, maybe not exactly when it came out, because I didn't get into Achievement Under Fandom until I think like 2014-ish, but I read Millstone early in my Achievement Hunter fandoming days, And then I think Nick and I were living together when the director's cut dropped and Nick was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. Life-changing. We met, like Nick and I met through um, Achievement Hunter fandom. So Ficklick actually owes its roots to this fandom because I would have never (laughs) met Nick and therefore never met Brenna and then we never would have become friends. Wow, Mavin, we owe it all to you. But it also, like, it does have to also owe it to... Hmm, a strange combination of One Direction and hockey <laughs> that brought Nick and yeah. I together. Yeah. Um, this also was a great time for Nick to bring this for me personally because Nick and I have been having a little renaissance tour of some of our favorite Achievement Hunter videos um, to the best of our ability without that guy. Just sort of enjoying the things. There's so much good Mavin stuff out there. I don't know. I feel very fond and nostalgic for this fandom and the period of my life that it occupied. And frankly, like, even though I know I did reread this in 2020, I couldn't remember fully what I thought about it or, like, all of the details. And there was a part of me that was like, I wonder how well a fic from 2013 is going to hold up. Because the author says in those sort of, like, director's cut author's notes that they cleaned up a couple things but mostly left this as is. I was so nervous. (laughs) Yeah, but this fic absolutely held up and it slapped. I was just having the absolute time of my life. Um, Bodyguard AU, I feel like, similar to what Bren said about breakup makeup, like, it's not a yes or a no for me. Like, I have red fix with bodyguard in them. I have almost never or maybe never, like, sought it out in particular. Um, 
sorry, I said that immediate retraction. I did go looking for bodyguard fic for Nick for host rec exchange <laughs> a couple of years ago. But that aside, so in my general fandom reading, um, it's not a trope I really go in for, but it is a trope that I enjoy when it's done well. And I thought this was an excellent execution of it. I definitely think there's some stuff that's like, I don't know, when I was reading, I was like, okay, I almost said Mavin. I mean, yes, Mavin. Michael and Gavin both like fall for each other within the span of two weeks. And I had the thought where I was like, on this podcast, we frequently talk about whether a fic is trying to convince you of a ship or whether a fic just assumes that like you are going in, enjoying the fandom, enjoying the ship, etc. When I was reading it, I was like, yeah, this absolutely slaps and works for me because I'm here. I was here many years ago. I'm back again. I'll absolutely buy um, that Michael kind of flips from like, this guy is so annoying. I want to wring his neck to like, oops, I love him. Um, <laughs> I was like, did it Did it try to convince me of it? No, it, it definitely fell more on the side of insta-lovey. That's fine. I was having the time of my life. I was texting Nick and I was like, Mavin. And Nick was like, I know. <laughs> also, I do just need to shout out that um, Mavin, uh, their real life friend anniversary is Valentine's Day. And every Valentine's Day, they wish each other like yeah. happy friend anniversary. And so- it. That is sickening. Yeah. <laughs> it is both sickening and also like fills me with joy. I'm like, wow, what a good choice for this Valentine's Day themed episode. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time that this episode drops, they will have just celebrated whatever, I don't know, a decade pl- over a decade yeah. of friendship. Yeah. As Reed mentioned, uh, the sort of Rooster Teeth Achievement Hunter universe is what brought my two co-hosts together. I was completely oblivious <laughs> to this fandom existing until I met the two of them. Um, this is not the first uh, fic I have read with these people as characters. Um, however, I am just not overly familiar with the lads. This was a very well executed fic. And I think, okay, I have not read a lot of bodyguard AUs. I have read a handful. Um, but also they're just not particularly common. So it's not like something that I'm like avoiding. But it's also like because I haven't like sought it out. I just haven't come across very many. Um, I will say this is by far in a way the best bodyguard fic I have read. Most of them like aren't very good. Sorry. <laughs> um, that I've read, which again are like four others maybe. <laughs> but I think the thing that like has let me down a lot of times with bodyguard fics is like, I am expecting higher stakes than like what the fic is giving me um and i think this one did a really good job of like balancing sort of like the ups and downs of how high or low the stakes felt to the reader and i think it was really good that it sort of had those dynamics throughout it um because i think we needed to like buy in that there was a threat and then also have quieter moments where michael and gavin were able to connect as people and like sell us on that relationship aspect which you couldn't have done if this was just all 100 all the time like you had to have it sort of dip down but I also love that we got like action sequences at the end that were also like very well written. I like that all three of the fix that I think we brought this week had a feeling of like action to them in different ways. Like this fic and my fic Victory Lane both had like actual sort of like movie action scenes, but a lot of Reed's fic also had like sports action scenes and these like crazy things that would totally be on people's like wildest moments of the 2025 Formula One season, like YouTube videos and stuff. So I really liked that they all had this sense of like things happening with an intensity that like allowed our characters to like react to those moments as well and like we got to see how they navigated those and like whether that like pushed the characters apart or brought them together or allowed opportunities for them to like reconnect and like all of that worked so well for me this episode um and I think it's like something that's relatively hard to do honestly is write 
action scenes that like feel well paced and like I can buy into them and I think this fic did an excellent job of that the last third where we really get into the action was absolutely my favorite part of it um I again could just like see it really clearly in my head like it was an action movie I've also just been watching a lot of action movies recently I watched the newest Mission Impossible and I've also been watching the Mr. and Mrs. Smith on prime so i'm just like feel very ready for action sequences <laughs> and this delivered an excellent one um yeah i had a great time with this i think if you're gonna sell me on a bodyguard au like this is the way to do it i definitely felt more sold on like the trope than the ship i think because as reed mentioned like this is more of one where i think it's assuming that you already are at least somewhat invested in at least the characters, if not like the relationship, but I think also like the relationship to a certain extent. And I just didn't really have that footing. So to me, they read a little bit more like OCs, but I really liked Michael as a character too. I found him very endearing and like someone I definitely was rooting for throughout this fic. Gavin annoyed me, but I think he <laughs> is probably an annoying person. Um, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I just feel like that is the character like was supposed to be annoying so like that's <laughs> and it's a it lot of giving. his like early on-screen persona for sure had that yeah. as like part of his thing mm -hmm. so it gave annoying um <laughs> but that's okay michael was really charmed by it you know when there were those really long tumblr posts that would just have like various reactions and things if you ever saw one that said like gavin screaming or gavin squawking it was referring to this man. Like, I remember seeing posts yeah. where someone would be like, Gavin screaming. Someone was like, who is Gavin? And then just like, unintelligible bird noises. And it's like, that really was his um, early persona brand. I want to jump directly into talking about one of my maybe like top two favorite scenes in this entire fic. And I think a particular part of the bodyguard AU trope plot structure that is absolutely essential, in my opinion, to make it like magical and beautiful, which is the false alarm. Early on in this fic, Michael shows up and he's like, hello, Gavin. Listen, listen, you're so annoying. Listen to me. Here you go. Take this panic button. Only press it if there's an emergency. If there's an emergency, I will deal with it. Keep it with you at all times. And so I feel like, especially the way it's set up, you kind of assume that Gavin is not going to take it a lot of places with him or that he's going to leave it behind when it's important. I feel like that's kind of the implication. And what happens instead is so smart. A little under halfway into this fic, Michael is just doing his thing. He's getting kind of comfortable. They've been living in the same house for a bit. Absolutely nothing is happening. He feels like he's been put on babysitting duty. He's like, well, they kind of just threw me out over here in Texas to babysit this guy because I guess his coworkers are worried about him, but they're just trying to see if I can handle doing like a basic job after what I dealt with. And then in the middle of just like chilling, doing nothing, the alarm starts blaring in Michael's earpiece. Gavin has just like walked outside and Michael immediately goes into bodyguard mode. He's like, okay, uh-uh. It's like he almost goes Terminator his thoughts are all just like, fuck, what's happening? Okay, deal with the threat. He's kicking down a door. He's pulling out his gun. He's looking around. There's an element of like very intense laser-focused competence to it, like a switch was flipped. And then we see Gavin on the ground like, I'm fine. I tripped. And Michael's like, I am securing the perimeter. And it takes him a while to come down from that adrenaline high. Gavin's kind of freaked out. He's like, oh my god. And it's this really effective reminder of their roles and of what could happen. Because they've just been kind of playing house for a bit. 
not even like that well, but they have been playing house. And so I loved that because I feel like it A, gives you a preview into, okay, if there's actual danger, then it is going to feel dangerous because this felt dangerous and it was literally nothing. And then B, it also gives you a window into each of their kind of characters and how they're impacted by their dynamic. It makes it feel more realistic later when they're like, should we get together? And Michael's like, I can't. Like, not while I'm your charge. <laughs> You're my charge, I guess. Like, this cannot happen because I have to be laser focused on keeping you safe. And also, you need to be laser focused on keeping you safe because I am literally your bodyguard. It's so good. The reminder of the roles, the cementing of it, the drama of it. I think every good bodyguard AU fic needs this. <laughs> <laughs> because it reminds you of what's happening, but it also doesn't give the game away too early. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's like when things are going to kick off or how that's going to go. We just get a taste of the heightened emotions and stakes earlier on. Well, especially because, as you said, it's kind of underpinned by this, like, nothing is really happening. Like, the fact that mm -hmm. Michael thinks he got put on babysitting duty. Because the main threat is against Jeff and Griffin, who, as Nick mentioned, are in D.C. And Gavin's kind of hiding out in Austin. And there's just so much nothing. The only reason that Michael is even there is because Jeff and Griffin paid this sort of like private security company so much money to protect Gavin. They're like, we love him. He's basically family to us. Um, Michael is like, there's not even a point of me being here. And so it does lull them into this false security of like, why can't we play house? Why can't we have this? And as you said, like the false alarm is such a good reminder and I also kind of want to jump into like when things kick off yeah, and how that ties back to the beginning because... Ficklets, if you're going to read this fic, read it, like stop now and go read yep. it because we're about to spoil a really big twist that is so good and I think really fun to discover as you read. Yeah. So one of the things about reading this fic is I was like, I barely remember what happens in it. I know the general shape of it. Mm -hmm. But with, in the second paragraph of this fic, Michael is sort of leaving his job at the CIA and his assistant director, his former boss, is like, oh, it's so sad to see you go. Like, you just had wrong in instincts on one job. Like, that happens. And I was like, things are pinging. Things are pinging in my mm -hmm. brain. And then, like, his former boss, like, gives him a lighter. And he's like, oh, this brought me luck. And I was like, Michael, don't take the lighter. Michael, yeah. I think it's a bug. But I don't fully remember. But I'm pretty sure it's a bug, <laughs> Michael. immediate same. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> don't take it. Um, but the reason that Michael had gotten fired is because, yeah, he was on a mission and, like, it seems like the bad guys were one step ahead every single time. And he just had this gut feeling like there's a mole, there's a mole, there's a mole. And so he pulls a gun on his partner and his partner's like, what are you doing? And then like both he and his partner get out and whatever. But Michael basically gets fired and his boss is like, don't worry, like I'll make sure this isn't investigated, but you can't really work for the CIA anymore. And so when things start kicking off in Austin, first of all, the only reason Michael is still there is because he lied to his boss about needing more time so that he could fuck Gavin. So if he hadn't lied to his boss, Gavin would have been alone. But when things start kicking off, like, it's a similar thing once again of every time they're trying to escape somewhere, the people are one step behind them. They're getting help, like Michael's radioing back to his team. And he's like, okay, like, um, like Austin PD is going to meet up with you here. A SWAT team is going to meet up with you here. And every single time they're being pursued, they're getting caught. They're hiding in a pizzeria closet. <laughs> yeah, um, they are. And it's this feeling of, like, he keeps getting caught out, but Michael has this through line of, like, he just can't trust his gut. Like, his gut is what got him fired from his last job. His his boss directly told him, like, it's okay. Like, sometimes your instincts are just wrong. And so it's so tough to see Michael, like, trying his best. But then also he's like, I don't even know what the fuck to do because everything my instincts are telling me to do is, like, what fucked me up in the first place. And he's doing so well. 
they're evading all kinds of shit. Like, they should for sure be dead with the way that these people know their moves. But he's speeding away in, like, the pizzeria truck or whatever. <laughs> it's iconic. It takes Gavin saying, hey, I think we're bugged because every time we say we're going to go somewhere, they show up. Yeah. For Michael to be like, oh, shit, you're right. I don't know. I just thought that was so effective and so good. And I think it made the, like, everything kicking off also be heightened. This fact that, like, Michael is doing his job so well and as best he can, and also he cannot trust himself. Yeah, so I know I said, like, bodyguard isn't something I, like, seek out, but I feel like there is a, there are tropes that are very adjacent to bodyguard that I really love, and I feel like this has given me a window into how bodyguard could work for me, and, like, what what I want to see out of it. <laughs> because I really do love, like, a forced proximity trope, which, like, is bodyguard, Um like, for all of this, Michael and Gavin are just spending time solely in each other's company because it's, like, a semi-remote, although not as remote as I was, like, picturing, I think, um, home near Austin, Texas that they're in. Um, but also just, like, it's... Michael doesn't want to, like, let them just, like, go wander around because that's dangerous. They do make a couple excursions into town, like, towards the middle of the fic and, like, sort of towards the end of Michael's uh, assignment. Um, but for the most part, it's just, like, the two of them, and they're finding all of these ways to sort of entertain themselves, including discovering a shared love of video games, which I have to imagine is because in real life they met at a video game company. Um, <laughs> or, like, video game review playing company. I don't know. Whatever. You know what I mean. It contains um, multitudes. Yeah. And Gavin <laughs> being really bad at them, and Michael being fine and significantly better than Gavin, that's facts. That's real. I yeah. love that. I love that. Michael was the one I was, like, really rooting for. He's, like... <laughs> I feel like he's, like, a little bit boring in the way that, like, often compels me with a character. <laughs> I'm like, oh, here's your very beige vanilla exterior. Like, let's dive deeper and see what lies beneath. <laughs> and I like that it was, like, a pile of insecurities. <laughs> um, like, that worked. I, I enjoyed that. But yeah, the forced proximity really worked for me. Yeah, I like the, like, sort of high-stakes scenarios really work for me. Uh, all of that just, like, was definitely ticking some boxes of, like, other tropes that I really enjoy. I feel like something that can be very hit or miss for me is the, like, one person sort of protecting the other. I think usually it's a miss. I need them both to have, like, a level of competency, um, which is why things were, like, like, I really like a handler spy dynamic mm. or like two spies Love together. Um, again, the, the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith is really working for me. Um, but I do think like something that I was a little bit worried about was like when it sort of is crisis mode and they're like going and I was like, oh my God, if Gaffin is just like completely useless through all of this, this is like not going to really convince me of their relationship. So even though he was like a little bit useless, I really did appreciate that like he came through a couple times in ways that, like Michael really needed him to. And one of those was like the more interpersonal aspect of like knowing the guy who runs the Italian like pizza joint um, and being able to get them the car that they like escape in. That was something that, like, Michael would just completely not have had the, like, skill or capacity for in that moment. He, like, doesn't know anyone in this town. And, like, that's something that Gavin really can provide. So I like that it sort of gave these moments where there was this balance and there were these times that we could really see what Gavin sort of had to offer narratively that Michael couldn't. Um, and for me, that, like, really helped balance the sort of, like, oh, big protector small wimpy lad sort of dynamic yeah. that I think bodyguard can <laughs> fall into not that like I feel like their physicality isn't like that different in this fic but like 
sometimes it's a, like you can definitely lean that way in in bodyguard stuff um so yeah i i did really appreciate that like uh the author gave gavin these moments to like really show how his mind works and like what that was able to like offer in their like moments of needing to escape mm-hmm. Well, I also love that that was an arc the author kind of intentionally gave Gavin to some degree, where part mm-hmm. of his whole thing is like, I might quit my job because I just don't know that I'm cut out for these high conflict scenarios. Like, maybe I'm just a coward and I hate that about myself, but I don't know how to be anything different. I don't know how to do anything different. And so it felt so real that when everything goes down, like, yeah, Michael's definitely in charge and handling stuff and making a lot of the big calls and dealing with a lot of the issues that are coming up. But then, like, it's a very sweet, I think, classic come around at the end moment when Michael is, again, spoilers, whatever, um, cornered in this abandoned school by his former boss who was like, oh, Michael, it's not your fault, you little lamb. Um, and then in this scenario, is like, haha. <laughs> I've been evil the whole time, and I have to tie up my loose ends and kill you, but I'm going to shoot you in the leg first because I'm a villain and I need more time to monologue. (laughs) And then Gavin comes up behind and is like, die, scum. Uh, That's not verbatim from the fic, but it's probably how he was feeling. But it's pretty close. It is close, actually. (laughs) But he's the one that shows up and like does the rescue, which I feel like is a nice inversion. It's a very classic, I think, choice in this kind of a story. I liked that Michael ended up being like the target. There's just so like this feels so hmm. we talked about subverting tropes, I think, in this episode previously. This to me is like the blueprint. This is the OG. Like this is the trope played out the way it was intended by God in heaven above, not to bring my religious baggage back into it. Um <laughs> But it just does exactly what I want it to do. And, like, that is the risk, right? I think, like Brenna was saying earlier this episode, of bringing a fic with a trope you love that just executes the trope. It's like, well, I'm going to be gored in the stratosphere about it the entire time. I'm going to be reading it and going, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) While, like, making a mess of all my belongings because I'm throwing stuff around the room. That doesn't mean that everybody else is going to, but I had to bring it anyway. <laughs> and I was glad that it was still an enjoyable read for people because it was fun to be able to say like, okay, this is going to hit the classic beats and it's going to do it so well. Because I feel like I still to this day, it's been years and years, have not found a fic that for me hits the beats the way that this one does. Ficklets, if you know of one, you are morally, legally, financially, and spiritually obligated to send it to me immediately. I feel like if this fic was self-indulgent for Nick in going like all in and what you want from a bodyguard fic, as I said in my first talking bit for this fic, this was self-indulgent for me in that it felt like such a fun return to this fandom. Um, Bren, I think it makes so much sense that you liked Michael as a character in this fic because the characterization absolutely slapped. There were so (laughs) many moments in this fic where I was like, Joel Locke, is that how we're saying this author's name? That's how I'm saying it. Great. There's so many moments in this fic where I was like, AO3 user Joe Luck, you just get it. Sort of towards the end of the fic when Michael is in the hospital and he's recovering, he gets a card from like other people at the agency, um, like little cameos from other people that you had gotten scenes with before. And is it Bernie's his boss? Like, yeah, like Bernie comes in and he's like very serious and he's like, oh, like everyone sends their best. And Michael opens the card and the first thing he reads is a message from Lindsay that says, get well soon, shithead. Um, And I (laughs) said, a million sobbing emojis, the Joneses, you know, like, Mm. 
ficlets they are married in real life michael and Lindsay. just so they're you know. married and it's so good i literally became a rooster teeth fan the same weekend that they got married which was like a bonkers like one of the first things i saw was just a tweet from michael wearing Lindsay's wedding dress because he was like we're in the hotel and Lindsay didn't have anything and wanted to go out and grab something so she took my clothes and now i'm wearing this and i was like what is what is this fandom i've gotten myself into I don't know. It just it just made this like so, so fun for me. And then to be able to go to AO3 user Jolock's page and see that they took a trek through hockey RPF and are now in Formula <laughs> One RPF. It makes me feel like I'm like, Jolock, we are hand in hand. Like we have walked so many fandom roads together. You don't know me. Um, and technically, I guess we didn't walk these roads together, but I'm feeling such solidarity and friendship with this author. Like, I see the routes that you have taken. I have taken them as well. I was like, great. Like, after we're done with this episode, I'm going to go read their Formula One fix. It's, <laughs> what is it? Like, mostly Lewis Seb, I think. But then also Lewis Nico, which are fix that I've gone looking for and like couldn't find. And now I'm like, oh, an author that I trust and like writing a pairing that I knew had potential, but I couldn't find what I wanted. <laughs> um... I don't know. Sorry, this is not really about the fake, but this is about my reading experience that like sometimes it is just so fun and good to return to a fandom past. I feel like so often it's like, oh, wow, cringe. Could I find a Teen Wolf fic that I would enjoy reading in this day and age? Like probably, but it would be a lot harder. Like there's fandoms yeah. where it's just like, eek, you absolutely had your time and place in my life, but like eek, tough to return to. And this is a fandom that feels like it could be that. And yet this fic felt like such a triumphant return. Not a full return. Like, I'm not back in RTH fandom. But to wave nostalgically from the shore or whatever, this could not have been a better fic to bring. I have, like, one more, like, little sweet moment towards the end of the fic that I do want to share. I'll read, like, a really tiny bit for you, ficlets. I'm actually reciting it from memory because I'm not wearing my glasses, but it's short. So when Michael's in the hospital, Gavin did the classic love interest thing of like waiting at his bedside for a long time and then leaving about an hour before he woke up because he got kicked out of the hospital. They were like, go sleep, blah, blah, blah. So Michael meets Jeff for the first time and they have a conversation. And Michael asks Jeff, like, oh, you're going to go see him. Can you pass him a note for me? And Jeff is like, okay. So Michael writes a very simple note. It's just, I'm fine. Sleep, idiot. I love you too. M. And it's very cute and it's very them. And he folds it up and he hands it to Jeff. And the first thing Jeff does is open it and read it in front of him, <laughs> which is so real. And it's this so This is one of those good. moments where I was like, AO3 user Jolock gets it. Yeah, you just get it. But it's so sweet. And I feel like it really speaks to the way that this fic does ensemble. It's such an insular story for so much of it with just the two of them doing very little. But the bits at the beginning with the training at the new place, the new company, with all these other people, the bits at the end where you have kind of the revolving door at the hospital and the card that people signed and sent to him. It's just really sweet. And I think it made Michael's character especially feel a lot more grounded in the world that he's living in. I always like, I enjoy it. And I think all of these fics did it well. When our main characters have like a world and a life outside of the love interest, even Charles, who was like moping for so long because he was so sad and made himself and Max so miserable for semi justifiable reasons, like he had family, he had friends, he had the season that he was focusing on. Like, I think it just helps the story feel so grounded. And the placement of those scenes and the execution of them, the humor and levity that they often brought in, really worked for me in Millstone, too. That concludes our discussion of what I think is an objectively perfect and unassailable work of fanfiction, Millstone Director's Cut by AO3 user Jolock. Everyone, just 
enjoy Bodyguard AU or else. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ficklick. We hope you enjoyed our journey through romance tropes and also through fast-moving vehicles. Woohoo! If you want more of the Ficklick vibe, there's plenty of places to find us on the internet. You can find us on Twitter at Ficklick. You can join our Discord, which is linked on Twitter. You can email us at ficklickpod at gmail.com. I think that's actually mostly it, um, but they're good places to find us. If you want to make a sort of platonic romantic gesture this <laughs> Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. um, you could make us, Ficklick, your Valentine. And you could do that in a number of ways. Um, obviously, you could s send us flowers or chocolate. No, no actually, please don't. I don't think you have our address. Uh, no, instead you could write a review stating how much you enjoy FitClick or give us five stars on Spotify. Um, or you could also give us some money uh, via our Ko-Fi. <laughs> uh, that is also a great way to show us love and admiration this holiday season. I know that love languages are kind of bullshit, but um, our love languages are, um, oh my god, what, like gifts? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's and words of affirmation. Money? Words of affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our next episode will come out on March 1st. It is our usual format. Brenna, what fic are you bringing? My pick for next week is 10 Degrees Below Zero by Kianspo, or maybe Kianspo. Um, this is a Star Trek fic. Shout out to Friend of the Pod M for originally wrecking this to me. Um, it is an AU within the world of the Star Trek original series movies. Reed, what's yours? My pick is A Needle, A Thread by Jabralis. Sure. Um, it is for the fandom The Queen's Thief, and the pairing is Costas Kamet. Nick, what are you bringing? My pick for next episode is r slash severed by AO3 user Curtain Call for the fandom Severance TV. Ficklets, I don't currently own a car, so I'm hoping to get in someone else's and have them drive it. Drive it speeds so fast that it feels like I'm drunk. Bye! <laughs> Ficklets, I do have a car, but it's a little slow, but I still want to take it to anywhere. Bye! Ficklets, maybe we can make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Bye! Bye!